Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. actually is because I googled it this morning no I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> I mean I did google it but not to find out what it was just is it actually Palm Sunday today and so you know changed my sermon <laughs> to meet Palm Sunday um, but the story goes um, you know we know the story of it. it's actually pretty prominent common even in pop culture you, if you watch like movies TV shows like even like fantasy based stuff you, you'll see that homage because it's so written into our culture of the king on a donkey Right, it's so written of like the highest of the high on the lowest of the low and coming in, in humility. Uh, it gives uh, many of us, whether we know it or not, um, some of us are ideal in what a leader is supposed to be because it's just an undergirding thing in fantasy and society and TV shows you watch and even some of the Marvel movies have some homages to Jesus and it's directly from the Bible because it creates and produces such a strong, vivid vision of what a good guy looks like. Right, And so typically when we have our good guy archetype, it comes from moments like this in the Bible. Um, and uh, not to say that the Bible isn't true and isn't real, uh, but people saw it and they began to realize it touches hearts. And so they began to take the concept and put it in their works to touch other people's hearts. And we see a picture of Jesus and he's with his disciples and he looks to them and he says, uh, hey, you two, go get a donkey. It's going to be, and he does that Jesus thing that like, I want to be able to do someday. We were like, yeah, third house on the left is going to be tied to the stick. And you're going to ask the owner. He's going to come out and say, what are you doing with my donkey? You're like, oh, it's for Jesus. And he's going to let you. And then that's exactly what happens. And you're like, yeah, that's creepy. Like, <laughs> you know, but then like God does that in my personal life all the time where God's like, don't do this or this will happen. I'm like, how can he know better than me? And I do it, and that thing happens, and I'm like, all right, God, I'm sorry. Let's go again. Uh, it's a consistent aspect of his character. So he gets on his donkey, and he rides down the road into the city, and people are bringing palm branches. Palm branches, and they're laying it down in front of the, the donkey, and they're putting their clothes on, and they're, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. There's actually a song that we know and we do, and I don't know why we didn't do it today, and I picked the worship songs, so I just realized that right now. But uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. It's a beautiful moment in Scripture, and we see a group of people that are madly in love with God. We see another group of people that are madly in love with their idea of God. And we see another group of people that are not in love with God. <laughs> and we'll address these two as throughout the sermon, but let's talk about these guys for a second. They look, and what do they say? They say, hey, tell your disciples to stop calling you God. And he said, I can't, because if they stop, the rocks are going to start doing it. And that's where we get that famous line. And what's so awesome about that moment is Jesus is like, listen, the only reason I'm making them continue is so you don't get freaked out when rocks start singing, because they will right now. What does that tell you about that moment? How many times did people not worship Jesus and yet the rocks didn't cry out? What is it about this moment that they would have shouted if people didn't? Amen? Palm Sunday is very important to our belief. It's very important as to why we're here. Many of you have a testimony such as I used to be on drugs and now I'm not. 
I started in Palm Sunday, there was something in that moment that was getting pushed forward into your life. And some of you have a testimony of, of my family was falling apart, but, but God showed up. And, and, and it started in that moment. And some of you have the testimony of the alcohol and the anger and the pride and then the death that you had to overcome and the doubts in yourself and the, the identity issues and the, the heartbreaks that you had to overcome that you didn't think were possible to overcome and then the betrayals and the backstabs. And you had to overcome those moments. And you, some of us know we're only here. We only overcame those big deals because God moved in our lives and it starts here right and it's beautiful and they're shouting hosanna and they're shouting hosanna and jesus gets up he gets to the now why are they shouting like i said they're, they're believing he's about to overthrow rome right now so i mean like this guy's about to blow up the superpower of the world that's why some people are doing some casual side twitches you know, people who weren't following Jesus were like, oh, he's coming. There's the palm branch. Remember me? I was the palm branch guy. Don't blow me up when you're blowing up Rome because these people really believe, oh, my, he's coming. And there were verses in the Bible about the king coming on a donkey. And you're like, whoa, what's happening? And, and there's verses on, on him overcoming and defeating the principalities of the day and, and throwing Satan and the evil ones in, away. And they're like, we're here. We're in this moment. And, uh. So the thing about Palm Sunday that I think is hilarious, where we're standing now, it is one of the biggest and greatest moments in all of scripture. But from where they're standing at the time, it is one of the most anticlimactic moments in history. <laughs> because God is coming to blow up Rome. He gets off his donkey. He looks around at the city. He cries. Okay, this is getting weird. But let's roll with him a little bit. He's crying. He really loves us. Let's go. He gets up. He starts cleaning out the temple. Yes, the, the, he start whipping people. You're like, yeah, there it is. This is what we're waiting for. This is everything. And he kicks everyone out, and he gets up and looks at everyone, and he leaves. And that's it. And that's the end of Palm Sunday, <laughs> right? But, but, but Rome's still right. Where are you going? He's going to the garden. What just happened? One of the biggest letdowns <laughs> in history. And then what happens next? He dies. Talk about a bigger letdown. Right? And so the thing about Palm Sunday is if we put ourselves in that moment, if we put ourselves in that time, we see that God was teaching something. And even more beautiful than that, but, but also terrible at the same time, <laughs> we see that Palm Sunday doesn't represent Jesus overcoming. We see it actually represents to the people, you don't understand what God's doing. And so what Palm Sunday becomes about when you look at it in context of the moment of the people, it becomes about what do you do when you think God's going to do one thing and everything you expected falls apart? How do I respond to God? And that's what Palm Sunday turns into for the people in the moment. Amen? Because where's the breakthrough in Palm Sunday? Where's the great moment in Palm Sunday? It's the resurrection. But that's a week away. Right? We trace back. We'll get to scripture in a second. We're just, I'm, I'm setting the scene. We're setting some scripture scenes here, and then we'll pray because I just realized. Anyway, um, if we go back, we see uh, the rich young ruler walks in. He's talking to Jesus, and he's like, I do this. I'm bomb.com. I, I do everything that God expects me to do. He's one of those people like, I am the bee's knees in the cat's pajamas because I was actually coined in Rome. Um, what else do I have to do? What does Jesus say? Give up all your possessions and come and follow me. 
You know he only said that to 13 people in the Bible? He only directly looked at someone and said, give up everything and follow me. The 12 disciples and one man. There have been many people who have posited that this guy, you know in Acts 2 when uh, Matthias takes Judas's place? That the rich young ruler was supposed to do that. And a lot of people have pointed that maybe he gave up his call in that moment by walking away. And Peter looks to the rich young ruler as he's leaving, and then he looks to Jesus, and he's like, yo, <laughs> what just happened? And Jesus begins to tell them that uh, how hard it is for the rich. And when he tells the story about how hard it is for the rich, we look at that moment and go, well, I don't have a lot of money, so I'm good. Peter, a poor fisherman, looked at that moment and said, then he can be saved. There's something about that moment that I think the English doesn't convey very well, that in the moment they understood. This is going farther, and this is going deeper. And this is going so much, this is so much more. See, we often teach that Jesus made following God easier, but he actually rose the bar and made it harder. And the only way we're able to do it is by laying on Jesus and knowing that I can't reach this, but you did, and I can reach you. Amen? And, but what does Jesus say? Let me show you. Let me show you. And what's the next chapter? Every time you read about the rich young ruler, the next chapter is always Zacchaeus, the tax collector, stealing from everyone. <laughs> robbing the people and he gets up on his tree and Jesus goes Zacchaeus Zacchaeus come down from the tree I think there's a song about that that I never sang in Bible school or anywhere so I don't know it uh, but I'm sure one of y'all do you want to shout it whatever that song is trying to be not offensive in saying that, like, and then the young people are like, whoa, what just happened? Because uh, I barely know Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, right? Um, but Zacchaeus gets saved. He gives up everything, and Jesus, what does he say? Surely salvation has come to this home. But, you know, if you actually look in Scripture, never before that moment did any of the disciples ask what it takes to be saved. And that's actually why, if you read the book of Luke, You'll see it's the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, Palm Sunday, Calvary. It's almost a response. He begins to show them what it takes to be saved. I believe that question, whether Peter knew it or not, was pushed by the Holy Spirit, whether he knew it or not, so it could be put right in that moment. And that was Jesus' time. What does he do? He shows them physically someone getting saved, but then he shows them what it took to get there, and he lives it and walks it, and he, and he dies, and then he comes back, but you see, all that, all that was a setup for Palm Sunday, all that was a setup for your expectation, rich young ruler, versus how I actually see things, Zacchaeus, right, you think, because he, he's following the law perfectly, he's going to heaven, I'm telling you, this tax collector had a better chance, because he wasn't stuck on his things, he was stuck on God, and he gave, and he received. Um, there, there, you guys, you know the story of the talents? We talk about it a lot. The minas, as <laughs> some version says, and it's uh, we're going to read about minas. So I'm going to use the minas word. Am I saying that right? Yes? Minus? I'm going to say minas because I'll keep thinking of subtraction if I say minus. All right, so, but Jesus tells a story about minas and the talents. And I think a lot of times when we hear the story of the talents, we equate it to 
being faithful in what God has called us to do, which is true. But it's actually applied to the Palm Sunday story. I don't know if, uh, if many people know that because I didn't know that until I actually did the study. This, this actual study is directly dependent on Palm Sunday, right? And so he tells the story, and then directly after the parable, what does Jesus say to them? He says, now go get the donkey. And we're going to start in uh, Luke chapter 19, I believe. <laughs> I've been wrong before. 19, 11 to 27. And we're going to read it together. This is the New King James Version. You can have any other version you want. Uh, it's going to say basically the same thing, hopefully. And uh, we're going to roll on this one together. Ready? Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was, ne he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. He directly told this parable because they thought he was going to go take Rome on Sunday. He wasn't expecting to, and so he prepared them through this story. Amen? So, here we go. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Yes, Jesus. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. That's the parable. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might make, he might know how much every man had gained by trading. By the way, that's, that's walking out your call. Amen. Uh, then the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, well done, good, good servant, because you are faithful and very little, have authority over ten cities. So how do we get authority over greater things? We're faithful with the, the little things. Amen? And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to them, you also be over five cities. So apparently a mina is worth a city. That's not true, but in this particular moment, God turned... <laughs> A coin, he turned one point of the currency into an actual city because some of the things that we perceive as small, God is actually turning into something way bigger than we can possibly understand, right? And we see directly Mina is city. Oh, you got me 10 Minas? Here's 10 cities. Yeah. <laughs> like, how about, oh, you gave me a dollar? Here's 100. Like, actually, no, you gave me a dollar? Here's a million. Like, you, how, long, how much does it take to own a city? Um, then another came saying, Master, here is your Mina, which I have kept and put away in a handkerchief. I had a gift. I had a call. I knew I was called, but I just sat. Because I'm not ready yet. For I feared you because you were an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit. Many of us, and I, I actually struggled with this for a while as a Christian, of not wanting to walk in my call because I, I feel like I couldn't live to the standard that God had set. But God wasn't worried about that, right? And he's not worried about it now. You know who I am, <laughs> and you know how terrifying it is what I'm going to call you to do is. Just do it. Amen? beautiful because I think we turn God into an angry God who's mad at us and so we we shouldn't move because if we do anything even a little wrong he's going to be mad but I think God walks with us closest when we're walking out 
right? And by the way, when you walk down a road, there is a chance you'll take a wrong turn. But if you're faithfully stepping and faithfully chasing God, he'll always be faithful to curve you back in the right direction. But if you freeze and stand still and break apart, amen? The best advice I can give you is if you're frozen still and you feel like you can't walk forward, but, but you know deep in you that you have a call and there's something God is calling you to do, take a step. And maybe that first step is walking up to a brother in the church and saying, let's get coffee. Right? I know that, that sounds like a small thing, but community often gives us the courage to go to the nations. Right? And so it's our little community that causes us to go out into other communities, typically. Right? Because <laughs> I know I'm loud. I'm kind of crazy. I'm willing to just, like, kick stuff and run around. But when I'm by myself, I don't have half the courage I do when just one other person's with me. And I find that I'll freeze if there's not someone by my side. And maybe that is a weakness in me, but I think, I think God knows that's weakness in man. And so he called us to be together and to walk together. There is no one in this room, including the guy with the microphone, including even the leader, head leader of the church, that is God's man of power for the hour and only God can lead through him or her. That does not exist. That is not how it works. Everything that's in me, everything that's in him, everything that's in teacher, everything that's in Aaron as he's worshiping, exactly the same thing is in you, and it doesn't change. God is God, and he has his fullness is inside of each and every one of us. Amen? We may have different roles, but no one is bigger or less than the other. We just honor. The Bible says honor down. It says honor up. The Bible just says outdo each other in showing honor, right? And so if the Bible says for you guys to double honor an elder, then does that mean that an elder should try to quadruple honor you? Because I saw, see, the mistake leaders make is they think they're over the community. We're still a part of it. Amen? Never, never get too high or too low. Stay in. Amen? Something I love to say to people all the time, we love to say here, this is a hard church to sit in. And so I love to tell people, then don't sit. <laughs> you know, get involved. <laughs> and it won't be hard. You'll actually enjoy it. Amen? Uh, your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. Wow, what is this like? Okay, we're good. Let's pray out. Like I said, that's a terrible ending. Uh, you knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? I actually don't know how that analogy works. So, um, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him. And give it to him who has ten minas. He gets eleven minas. So how many cities does he have now? If we say no to our call, we overload someone else. Amen? So we're a community. And God has a plan that's going to happen in this church. And by the way, he has plans that's going to happen in the church LV and City Light and Avenue Church and Designers Church that are in this city, right? And Central Christian Church. He has plans for them too, but he has one here, and that plan's not going elsewhere. And so if God called you here and he gave you a call and you leave, a call's still going to happen in here. Someone else is just going to have to do it. Amen? But that's the beauty of God. If it can be transferred like that, that means it won't be heavy on your shoulders when you do what God's called you to do. If it's so easily, if it can move so easily, right? That means I'm only here, not because I have to or everything will fall apart, because I love God. 
And God knows my heart is here because I love him. And the relationship that builds out of that is something stronger than I have to do this today or everything will fall apart. Amen? For I say to you that to everyone who, who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. That's Revelation. We're not hitting that today. <laughs> I just had to finish the parable, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to talk for a second. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to worship because I'm, I'm feeling it today. That worship was too good to not just go right back into it. Can I get an amen? Um, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for everyone in this room right now. God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive what it is that you're calling us to receive today. God, I pray that we would recognize the weight of Palm Sunday, God. Recognize the breakthrough and what you experienced for us, Father God. And recognize, Father God, that even when it looks like nothing's going to work out, nothing's going to happen the way that we expected, God, that you still have a plan and your plan remains untouched, untarnished, and unbroken, God. We love you and we praise you for all things. And in Jesus' name, we all say, and thus he took a drink. No one gave me a timer, and so that's code for minimum of three hours. Amen? Well, Dad says no, but can I get an amen on that from someone? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it wasn't as passionate as the normal amen. You guys okay? Do you want to talk? Um, no. <laughs> that wasn't the sermon, man. That was the Bible verse into the sermon. Bro, no, you don't understand. We're going a long way today. <laughs> that was my favorite part of service. Can I get an amen? <laughs> You'll be back. I'll give you the link for like a dramatic, or I'll do like the, the classic charismatic thing, and as the piano comes up, right, and I'll keep going. Yeah, I know the rules. Um, <laughs> I have an uncle. You guys have an uncle? I have an uncle. His name's Travis, and uh, I call him Uncle Travis for obvious reasons, and. Uh, Uncle Travis is, in my opinion, one of the funniest people I have actually ever met in my life. Uh, but he, he kind of has, like, a reputation with us for being kind of flaky and uh, kind of unreliable. I, I was wondering if I was going to tell the story, and the, <laughs> the live broke down, so that's, that's confirmation. Um, and, and, no, you understand, with my uncle, it's just the best thing. Like, we were at my grandma's house. He's that kind of guy. You know the person who always has a new toy? You know? They always have that new thing they're playing with, and they try to get everyone so pumped and excited about it, and people kind of start to come on board, and then, like, the next week they have a new thing. And it's like, but what about the last thing? Isaac's kind of like that. Um, but, like, there's other people <laughs> that are, like, super like that. And, uh, and and so my uncle one day came home with, like, this, like, you know, like, like that Nerf football, but it was, like, the one you could put, like, the glow thing in, and when you throw it, it whistles. And it was, like, just when that first started, so he was, like, super pumped. And we're in my grandma's house, and he's just, like, Let's throw the football around. And I'm like eight or nine, and so I'm convinced. This is the best idea I've ever heard in my life, right? Uh, my grandma's an antique collector. <laughs> Just to preface where this story's going. Um, my grandma's an antique collector, and she has these beautiful, there's seven little angels that she has. They're just like, I mean, they're like the Mormon ones, but they're there. And they're sitting on the, the thing, and they're gorgeous. I think they're, and we're throwing the football around. And, uh, you know, he throws. And, and I catch, and I throw, and he catches. He gets super excited, and my uncle, he's kind of a heavy set dude, 
but he still thinks he can be a ninja. And so he does like this like spin throw, right? And it comes right at me through my hands and hits one of the glass figurines and it shatters, right? And now I'm panicking and he's calm. And I started to suspect he was going to blame me, <laughs> right? Because I'm still panicking. And he's like, that's not a big deal. You're going to be okay. And I look and I'm like, no, no, but the, 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 the angel is broken. And I'm like trying to think of how to make it his fault. And I just, I was never here. You know, I'm, I'm planning because if he's going to betray me, I'm going to betray him. That's in the Bible, right? And uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, that's out of context. Let's go. Um, but it was the verse for the moment. And uh, I'm, I'm depending on this, right? And uh, my uncle looks. And he moves the glass figurines over. And he steps back, and there's six now. And he goes, the trick is, is to make it so that it doesn't look like there's a gap. This is wisdom. I'm taking notes. Uh, because I have broken a lot of things and gotten away with it since. And it can all trace back to this moment. And it's just gorgeous. Uh, so, oh, no, one time I broke through the wall in my house. On one side, shoulder straight through because I stepped on a cat and ran through. And I put a mirror there, and no one found it until we moved. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, it happened like years ago. And they're like, oh, you're right. That's not a big deal. You, you've grown since then. I hadn't grown at all. And uh, but so, so he moves it. <laughs> he moves the glass figurines. And I'm like, how do you know she won't notice? She's so meticulous. He goes, no, there used to be 12. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So we've done this a ton of times. Um, <laughs> so that's just the general way my uncle carries himself. But he is not a patient person. And again, he likes the new toys. So there's like this Superman game coming out, right? It's on the Xbox. And my uncle was pumped. He was telling me about it. He goes, this is the sickest Superman game. It, at this point, it was called, like, the best superhero game out of all time. And then uh, Arkham Asylum came out. <laughs> but, um, but before that, some of you are like, what is he talking about? No, it's, it's okay. It's going to be about Jesus. Or you guys get to hear a story of why I'm the way that I am, and we can move forward. Like, either way, we're going to learn something here. Um, <laughs> and so he, he, my mom gets it for me for Christmas. And she wraps it and puts it under the Christmas tree. And my uncle comes, and he, he's talking about it. My mom goes, oh, I actually got him that game because of your recommendation. And he's like, where is it? <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's wrapped underneath the present. And he goes, well, can I open it and play with it? And my mom's like, no, you absolutely cannot. And so he thinks of a new plan. And he comes to me and says, hey, your mom got you that Superman game. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, it's in the Christmas tree. He goes, hey, is there a game that you wouldn't mind not playing for like three weeks. This is three weeks before Christmas. I'm taking notes. He's a genius. Um, <laughs> um, and I go, yeah, and I pull up my Harry Potter game, right? Because that's demonic, right? Maybe not. Some, whatever. It's not Jesus. And so I'm getting, but Superman, because uh, <laughs> I, I worship a Superman, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I give him the disc. And we go, and he, he shows me how to cut into the present so that you can't see the creases. And, uh, <laughs> and some of you guys are like, I got kids, shut up. And, uh, but but he so shows me how to open the creases, Zeke taking notes, and uh, slides it out super nice and clean, opens the box, puts Harry Potter in, takes Superman out, puts it right back in, and shows me how to close it in such a way that you could never tell that it was ever opened. Genius. My wife hates that I know this strategy. Because um, <laughs> she's big on, like, surprises, and I'm big on surprises. They're the worst. And so we compromise. She thinks she gives me surprises, and I ruin the surprises for myself. And just go, oh, it's awesome. Um, 
And so I'm playing Superman. My uncle's playing Superman, and it's just the best thing ever. And, and the thing is, my uncle, and it's so funny because eventually my mom found out. She walked in on us playing Superman, and, and just he looks and he goes, uh, okay, so when you beat Harry Potter, if you beat the game, there's a bonus level that lets you play one round of Superman. And she bought it. Well, she bought the game, and then she bought that story. And that's why I am who I am. Can we pray out? Like, let's have a good, like, you know, like, um, <laughs> woo. Uh, and she bought it, and oh, my gosh. That's why I was terrible. <laughs> Between my uncle and my father, I didn't stand a chance. Um, <laughs> and he tries to look innocent to all y'all, but no, no, he's, he's a prankster. I've cried. No, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> but no, but my uncle, what the thing, wh why he does these things is because he's incredibly impatient. And when he hears that something's coming, he assumes that he deserves it in the moment, right? And, you know, it's, it's a funny story that we laugh and we talk about, uh, but in truth, that's life. And that's how almost all of us are, <laughs> right? It's just not with Superman. It's just another thing. Oh, God said I'm called to be a prophet. So then tomorrow I've decided that I am the prophet of the church, right? Oh, God has told me that I'm called to evangelize. Well, hey, Apostle John, I actually think I should lead your evangelism ministry because God gave me a word yesterday. And no building in, no preparation, no walking into what God has called us to be, no discipleship, just I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now, right? <laughs> um, Palm Sunday is what happens when you have an expectation with God. See, here's the beauty about Palm Sunday. That Mina story that we think is all about, oh, just be faithful to God. That Mina story is actually about being faithful when you feel like God has let you down. That's actually what that story is about. It's easy to make ten talents when you feel God's anointing on you. But could you make the ten talents when you feel like God has let you down and maybe you feel like you've been slighted and you expected him to take Rome. But what God's actually saying is, no, I'm going to take the temple and you're going to take the world. Do we wait in that process and are we willing to trust God in that process or do we get upset and do we get mad and say, God didn't show up, so I'm done. Or we get offended and we fall back. See, there are multiple responses and if you actually look at all the disciples, not one of them responded well to this. And again, if you read that beginning part, he said he knew that they expected. So he told them the story in the hope that they would catch on to what he was saying. But they didn't. And we see Judas betray. Why? I mean, honestly, do you think Judas would have betrayed Jesus if Jesus was actually slamming Rome? No. His expectation got let down. So he tried to get something out of a deal. And maybe some of us respond to God like that, right? When we feel like that God has let us down, we say, screw it, I'm done then. Right? And, and sometimes we'll come into a church on a, maybe an event or when something is going on, but, but we're, not, we're not a part of the church anymore. We've been hurt too many times. And uh, this is actually coming from someone who almost went down that road because I had been hurt too many times. Not here, but it's how I ended here, right? Um, and then we see Peter. What does Peter do? He doesn't betray God. He doesn't leave. But he just goes back to where God found him in the first place. Which is also a huge temptation. Right? 
The temptation is like, I'm going, you know, we go from working 60 hours a week to pulling back so we can serve, so we can get involved. And, and we, really, we really begin to see God move. We're out in the streets and people are getting healed. We're in our church and there's major breakthrough. But then a bill comes and I can't quite pay it. Or maybe something happens in my life and I thought, no, God was supposed to show up for this moment. And so we don't leave God because we believe he's big and he's mighty and he's strong and we love him. But I'm not going to be as involved because I got to go back to this. That's what Peter did. If you actually read the story of Peter being found by Jesus both times, it's the same story. He says, hey, you're fishing. Cast your stuff on the other side. And he does it. And he goes there. And he follows Jesus. And then Jesus dies. And he feels like the expectation had been destroyed. And so he goes back fishing. And Jesus shows up on the bank. He goes, for the record, God is faithful. And he'll come right back to where you started and walk you right back to where you're supposed to be. God's just good like that. Amen. And, uh, and he looks and he goes, hey, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm fishing. And he goes, well, cast your net on the other side. And he casts the net on the other side. And he pulls the fish up. And he's like, what's happening? And John goes, hey, I think that's Jesus. Why does John know that? Because John was also in the boat last time. <laughs> and he, he's picking up a trend here. But, but some, of us, some of us are actually more like John. Why was John in the boat again? Well, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And John says, I'll go with you. When he feels like God wasn't moving he just followed someone else who felt like God wasn't moving. Sometimes we attach ourselves to hurt people instead of growing and waiting. Because if you recall, when, when Peter and John are walking to the cross, Peter betrays and leaves. And John keeps going forward. And John was at the foot of the cross. So now why is John fishing? Something from here to here, something about Peter got him away from that moment and in fear back in the boat. Right? We can't attach ourselves to the wrong people. They'll take us in the wrong direction. Right? And so we see, we see these people responding bad to this moment. And, and we see that the beautiful thing, and I think it is everything that Palm Sunday symbolizes. The beautiful thing about that moment is to each one of them, except Judas because he died. <laughs> but those who didn't quit and those who continued, even though they continued wrong, God met them there. He met them in whatever spot they were in. He even met, what happens? Uh, another one. Someone who responded actually similar to Judas is Thomas. The first time Jesus pops up, Thomas didn't, I'm, he's sitting over there. Uh, the first time Jesus didn't show up, the first time Jesus came back after his resurrection, Thomas wasn't there. Right? And so he, though he, he disconnected from his community. But, so, but, but each one of these people, we see the moment where Jesus appears to them. And he guides them back. But see, that's not what Palm, story, Palm Sunday is about. Palm Sunday is about what do we do when our expectations were crushed. Because see, it's next week, Easter, or it's now how do we handle it when God does everything that we've asked him to do. Right? But, but that, we're not at Palm Sunday. Easter's a week away. We're here. And I honestly think as a community, many of us are here. Right? With so many plans and so many desires and so many expectations of what it is that God was going to do in our lives. And then now we're here hurt. And now we're here maybe a little offended or maybe Sunday service didn't go like I wanted it to go. Or maybe the right person didn't preach. Or maybe the right band didn't play. Maybe they didn't play my favorite song. I know this stuff sounds petty, but I've been there where those little things were super offensive to me. And, you know, and, and if that's where you're at, just the only thing I can tell you is just to keep going fishing. Right? Because the whole point of Palm Sunday is when everything's falling apart, don't give up. God's going to show up. Right? Just keep looking and just keep expecting because
because God is going to move. Their doubt didn't change his plan. Their zeal didn't change his plan. Their joy didn't change his plan, and their pain didn't change his plan. God is just going to be faithful. For like Paul says, God cannot be faithless because he cannot deny who he is. So God has to show up by nature of his character, the character that he defined. This isn't me putting him in a box. This is him saying, this is who I am, and I'll show up every single time. And honestly, Baron, if you want to make your way this way, as the piano comes to the front, <laughs> um, actually, as the band comes up, let's, let's roll. Um, a story that crosses my mind in a situation like this we, we sang the song Fierce today. Like a tidal wave. He, uh, he's also the guy that wrote Miracle. His name's uh, Chris Kilala. And uh, crazy last name, honestly. Um, he wrote those songs. A lot of people don't know because his, uh, his kid died. His son passed away. And um, in that moment... He responded in a way that so many people don't. He fell on his face, and he worshiped God, and he trusted him. But there's still a little something holding me back. Can I tell you that when we sing these songs of your love is fierce, like before I called, before I ever cried, you answered me from where the thunder hides. That's how that song goes. This is a guy writing a song from his heart after his son died. And before I even called, you were there. Like a tidal wave, you crashed over me. And when I was supposed to fall apart, when everyone said I'm supposed to leave God and break down, you showed up the strongest. Do we have that faith as a church? That when things don't work out like I expected, we trust that God's going to show up his way. What we realize every time is his way is greater than our way. Because what, what did they want? They wanted Jesus as a king. In their city. But he gave us God as a king inside of us. What's greater? The king you can go visit or the king that's with you every second of every day? See, what were they expecting? And what did God deliver? It just took a little more time. It just took waiting in the pain. It just took breakthrough when it seemed like it wasn't possible. And this man, he wrote this song, but he also wrote miracles. And he sings, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. While standing in the face of a miracle that didn't come to pass. It didn't change the fact to him that the God was still going to bring miracles to others and bring miracles in his own life. That's the heart of a Christian. And that's the example of a Christian. Matt Chandler, last story, and we'll, we'll wrap this up. It's one of my favorite uh, pastors just in the world that I listen to. Um, podcasts aren't discipleship. Some people do that live. It's not discipleship. Community is. But it doesn't mean you still shouldn't get fed throughout the week. And it doesn't mean that you still shouldn't let other people speak into your lives. Dependent on the fact that are they following God correctly. And I'll tell you what changed my view on this man. He got a he got a a doctor's notice that said he had cancer. And they actually cut out a portion of his brain. And they said he wasn't going to make it. He had like a 30% chance or something like that. 
And um, he, he preached through that whole time. And he told stories about how when he'd lay down at night, he'd feel his brain, like, shift in his head. <laughs> it's just so disgusting. But it's because they had to cut a part of his brain out. And uh, he preached through the whole process. And he would always tell his people this. I want you guys to see what it looks like when the worst happens and a man stands strong. And he would preach that every week. It's the same story of Palm Sunday. I want you guys to see that I'm going to stay faithful even with that diagnosis. I'm going to stay faithful even when this is happening in my family. Amen? I'm going to stay faithful. Through death. I'm going to stay faithful through doubt. I'm going to stay faithful through breakthrough. And I'm going to stay faithful when the money comes in. And I don't need to pray to God every day anymore. But I do anyway because I'm in love with him. You know, I caught myself today praying a little harder than normal knowing that I was preaching. And I didn't feel right about that. I felt like it shouldn't change. And I should seek God of everything every day. Amen? Because God's called us to be faithful when it seems like nothing's working out. So we can shout all the louder when everything comes back together. And that's why in this church we're believing in miracles and we're believing in breakthroughs. And we want to see those things come to pass. And uh, actually, if the elders or the intercessory team want to come on up, we're going to worship. And if you need prayer, get prayer. But if you don't worship, it's one more song. If you got to go, we love you and God bless you. Um, but I want to do two prayers with you guys before we leave. One is for the Christian that feels let down. And you don't got to raise your hand because this is kind of personal, and I'll, I'll let this stay between you and God. And we'll all just pray together. Who feels let down? Who feels like God's not showing up the way they expected? Who feels like, man, I feel slighted by God or doubtful that God's going to move on my behalf or worried or like, you know, we try to micromanage how God should move. And we tell God, God, if you're real, you'll do this. Like if you feel those doubts in your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. And then the second person I'm going to pray for is maybe those of you who don't know Jesus, right? Because it's the most important thing of the world is making disciples of the nations. Listen, all of heaven shouts when one person gets saved. But what God has called us to do is not get saved, but to be discipled. Amen? Go and make disciples of the nations, not converts. Amen? And so if you feel like God is telling you to accept him, if you feel that, you know what, no, Jesus is here and he is real and he's very alive in my life. I want to encourage you to get prayer today because he loves you. And by the way, he loves you more than anyone in your life has ever loved you. And he loves you more than anyone in your life could ever love you. And that's a hard pill to swallow when I'm looking at people like my wife. And I'm recognizing that God loves her more. And that sometimes when I want certain things to happen in our marriage, but God's doing something else, I have to submit to that. Amen. But God loves you. He loves you so much that no matter what you choose to do today, he's still going to walk with you. Amen? But when we learn to love him, we walk in the right direction. So I just want to pray for both groups. And again, I don't need people to raise hands. Um, if you feel the tug of the salvation of, like, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart um, during the prayer time, just walk up to one of the prayer team and just tell them, hey, I accepted Jesus today. Will you pray for me? And they're going to walk through with you on your next steps. Amen? Um, so dear Lord in heaven, I pray for both groups in this room, God. God, we pray for hearts that would be surrendered to you above all else, God. 
that the doubts and the worries and the fears and the pains, God, they would not overcome what we are faith, Father God, and our faith would recognize in the darkest of moments, God, you're going to shine the brightest, Lord. And when things look like they're the worst, it's because you're turning them for the best, Father God. And I pray a faith and a trust that those things that we expected from you when you did something else, God, I pray for a faith in the heart of the people to lean on you and trust your plan above our own desires, God. We love you. And I pray for anyone in this room that would want to accept you into their hearts, God. I pray your Holy Spirit would come alive in them. I pray they would become dedicated to you, in love with you, God. And I pray this would start not with a set of rules they have to follow, but with a fiery, hot relationship, Father God. And a desperation for you, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we praise you for all things. And in Jesus' name I say, amen.